Welcome to the sermon podcast of Faith Lutheran Church in Oregon, Wisconsin, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ crucified and the promises of God that our faith clings to. For more information, visit us online at faithlutheranoregon.com. The miraculous catch of fish is an account where we can get so caught up in the miracle that we can lose sight of what Jesus is trying to teach us through it. In context, this is the account of the calling of the disciples, of the apostles, and Peter, Simon Peter in particular. We might assume that Peter follows Jesus here because of the miracle. Peter is so impressed by the miraculous catch of fish that he became a disciple, a follower of Jesus. That is, after all, what what we would do, right? If we saw a great miracle like this, you could imagine Peter at the end of the night before when he by, by that time should have caught a, a, a bunch of fish uh, praying, God, please give me some fish. My livelihood depends on this. And then just a few hours later, too many fish to haul in. Of course he would follow Jesus after that. Wouldn't we do the same? Or, or maybe we conclude that God's power is the reason that we or other, other people should follow him. That it's the reason that we go evangelize, that we go make disciples. Uh, the reason we should catch people, as Jesus says. Peter followed God, and God gave him more fish than he knew what to do with. So if you just follow God, that's what God will do for you. Your life will be overflowing with blessing. But notice that God is not making Peter rich here. In fact, it's exactly the opposite. There's a cost, a great cost, to following Jesus, to being a disciple. For Peter, he had already brought up the nets, cleaned it, packed it up. He already put in so much effort and nothing happened, and now Jesus wants him to do it again. But Peter doesn't really trust Jesus that much. He actually does it reluctantly, saying, Master, we worked hard all through the night and caught nothing. But at your word, I'll let down the nets. His attitude was on the order of, ah, if you say so. He's really not that into following Jesus. He's more concerned about a couple of things. His life, his livelihood, uh, money, right? all the fish that he could make, uh, make a profit with. And we might even say his pleasure. It's the weekend. He wants to go home and relax. You know, we could criticize Peter here for his lackluster confession, but how do we live our lives? With what assumptions do we live our lives with? What is the highest goal of our lives? St. Peter, throughout the Gospels, really exemplifies what we call a theology of glory. That is, believing that glory should be the natural outcome of our life, especially if we're a follower of Jesus. Glory in terms of money, success, health, life, prosperity, pleasure. Uh, This manifests itself in in our private lives, uh, in our our lives as citizens in the country, and even our lives at church, that that a life of glory means that God will bless our church and and make it really great and and big. And, And so through all these different uh, vocations in our, in our lives, we, we conclude that, that God's goal for my life 
all coincidentally aligns with my goal for my life. But this is in contrast to the final mark of the church, the sacred cross. And by cross, I don't mean the, the piece of wood that you find on the wall of, of a church, although some churches could, could use a cross in their sanctuary. It's interesting, the churches that often don't have one are the ones that, that do preach a theology of glory. Um, but by cross, I mean suffering, misfortune, persecution, all kinds of trials, and yes, even evil. Where these things are, there the church will be. This is not what we expect. Yet, just as Christ suffered, so too are Christians called, not to glory, but to follow the cross, to suffer. This is the lesson Jesus is teaching, and it's a hard lesson, and it's why we pray, lead us not into temptation. Because when difficulty comes, when crosses come, we are tempted to despair and to give up. We really don't want to let down our nets. Luther says that holy Christian people are externally recognized by the holy possession of the sacred cross, the mark of the church. They must endure every misfortune and persecution, all kinds of trials and evil from the devil, the world, and the flesh, as the Lord's Prayer indicates by inward sadness, timidity, fear, outward poverty, contempt, illness, and weakness in order to become like their head, Christ. Wherever you see or hear this, you may know that the Holy Christian Church is there. As Christ says in Matthew 5, Blessed are you when men revile you and utter all kinds of evil against you on my account. Rejoice and be glad for great is your reward in heaven. This is really profound. The church is found where its members are sad, timid, lonely, fearful, poor, ill, weak. Now, he's not saying that, that Christians go seek the, these things out. It's not as if we we whip our bodies and go without things uh, and, and go live in the middle of nowhere as if we're flagrant monks. We don't seek our crosses. Rather, it's that being a Christian in this world means that we will suffer. Christ calls us to our crosses. The world runs away from suffering because the world values what? Money, success, and pleasure. Those things that Peter was into. We value... Christ. We value truth. We value beauty. So the pursuit of these things then will be met with difficulty. To be a disciple of Christ then in your home, for instance, looks like you might be relatively poor because you believe that children are a blessing and you don't buy into the world's lie that the children are something to be avoided or, or put off uh, maybe, maybe till later. To be a disciple looks like you're weak according to worldly standards because you, you don't spend all your time uh, doing what the world thinks should make you strong and good and healthy. You spend your time in God's Word. Not only every Sunday, but you, you speak about God's grace in your own home. You spend your time pursuing wisdom rather than pleasure, even if it means 
that you're all alone when all your coworkers and friends and classmates are out there getting ahead in the world. Because you know the goal is not getting ahead in the world, but getting to heaven. So maybe even you get ill because your goal in, your, in life is not simply to preserve your life at all costs, but to live in Christ knowing that to die is gain. And of course, as you do all these things, the world will ridicule you and say how foolish you are. But when Christ calls us to follow him, this is more than than simply uh, some doctrinal, uh, assenting to some doctrinal truths. Uh, The Christian faith is more than just head knowledge. To follow Christ, as Peter had to do, means leaving the normal goals of a secular world behind and following Jesus. To be a disciple means a life of hardship, of suffering, of following in the way of the sacred cross, because that's the way that Christ has first gone. As it did for Peter, it means letting down our nets. It might mean our job. It might mean your reputation. It might mean your goals in life. It might even mean your life. But the way of the cross is always better. You know, we might be tempted to pray like Peter, God, give me fish. God, give me fish. Give me, give me health, give me prosperity, give me a job, give me a better spouse, give me uh, a greater reputation, give me an easier life, whatever it may be. But what happened to Peter? He got what he wanted, and so much so that it threatened to kill him. Peter got too much of a good thing. It says they caught so many fish, their nets were about to tear apart. They signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. They came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. They're in danger. They might drown, tangled up in all those nets. They got what they wanted, and it is not good. So Peter responds in terror. Go away from me, Lord, because I'm a sinful man. This is, this is not really faith. Faith never tells God to go away. And his own con- only conclusion for saving himself is for God to go away. But notice what Jesus says next. He doesn't leave Peter in his terror. He doesn't leave Peter to handle it all himself. He doesn't say, here's your cross, take it, it's yours, you'll be fine, good luck. Jesus says, have no fear. Have no fear. Jesus has not come to bring us a bunch of fish. He has not come to give us whatever we want or even whatever we think we need so that we follow him. Rather, I want you to notice how this text from Luke 5 began. It began with Jesus himself suffering. It says one time while the crowd was pressing in on Jesus, Now, the crowd wasn't trying to overwhelm Jesus or do anything malicious, but they were. Jesus endured the pressure of the people, not just physically, but emotionally and spiritually. Jesus himself was pressed hard. Jesus is exhausted from dealing with so many people. I'm sure many of you in your vocation can experience and can, can relate. Jesus is exhausted from dealing with so many people, and yet, ironically, Scripture says that Jesus 
himself had nowhere to lay his head. He came to give his life to the world, and yet his own did not receive him. And he endured this. He endured this pain all the way to the cross. And there, the greatest of all suffering and of all evils becomes our highest good. Jesus endured God's power and wrath so that we don't have to and so that we don't need to be afraid. And it's on the cross that Jesus unites himself with us. Jesus has mercy for us who suffer, who are pressed hard in our callings in life, in our vocations. It is hard to do the right thing. And we may be called to suffer for righteousness' sake, as Peter said in our epistle. But Peter would know. Peter says, if you suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. But Jesus has mercy because he was pressed hard even to death. And it wasn't the miracle of many fish that led Peter to follow Jesus, but it was Jesus' mercy that led Peter to follow Jesus. He was to have no fear. At Jesus' mercy, Peter recognizes what is really valuable in this world. Peter even leaves all the fish. He leaves everything behind. He leaves the boats behind. How expensive are those things that he's leaving behind? He's leaving behind his livelihood to follow Jesus. Whatever the cost may be, he's going to follow Jesus. Because no blessing, no glory in this world compares with all the mercy or the cross of Christ. You know, it's interesting that, that three years later, after Jesus has died on the cross and risen again, he appears to the disciples again on the shore of the lake, and he gives them another miraculous catch of fish. And right after this, when they're on shore, Jesus tells Peter that Peter's going to die a death similar to his. Peter, too, would literally suffer the cross. But Jesus there repeats his call. Follow me. Follow me. Follow me even unto death. And I will give you the crown of life. When we are overcome by our own sinful hearts and feelings, when our vocations and callings wear us down, when we think we're going to sink and, and drown and die with too much to handle, that's when Jesus comes alongside of us with his word. And he gives us his mercy. He comes alongside us to bear our crosses with us. Because he knows what it is like to be pressed hard. After all, Jesus has united us to himself in holy baptism, but also through it, unites us not only with his cross, but with the power and strength of his resurrection and the promise of a new life. So, take comfort in your suffering, in your cross, whatever it may be, whatever God has called you to suffer. For where the cross is, there Jesus is with his mercy for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be forevermore. Amen.